Welcome to Loving the Christ Life. I'm Brad Wilson. Welcome. Glad to have you with us today as we enter into podcast number 164, presented by the Christ Life Fellowship. Check us out, please, christ-life.org. We are going into part number 10 of this amazing study with Warren Litzman on Jesus and Paul. It's terrific. It's life-changing. Let's get right into it. Here's Warren. We're in Romans 16.25. We're talking about the two words in this verse, my gospel. Now to him that is of the power to establish you, English, according to my gospel. I'm still on those two words, my gospel. And I'd like for you to get a good feeling for this idea of what is my gospel. The word my is contrasting Paul's revelation of Jesus Christ with the other gospel centered in Jesus Christ. Peter was preaching the kingdom message. We assume that Peter preached the kingdom message up to Acts 16, where probably the last offer was made to Israel. The book of Acts, we calculate at least three times the kingdom was offered to Israel again. All three times it was rejected. So that when you get to the 28th chapter of Acts, the apostle Paul has been led of God to outright say that the gospel no longer goes to Israel. When he says that the gospel no longer goes to Israel and now goes to the Gentiles, that's not only a radical thing, but that means something important. That's why I believe Paul's gospel of grace was a new gospel to be based on before the foundation of the world. The new gospel. Why couldn't it be an accumulative gospel? Because the Gentiles had nothing to do with what happened in God's plan from Adam to Jesus Christ. Now I said this before. You need to kind of get this fixed in your mind. Two or three times in the Old Testament, God dealt with some Gentiles concerning Israel. He dealt with nothing but Gentiles from Adam to Abraham. But they had no distinctive message. There was four different dispensations or plans of God in operation from Adam to, to Abraham. So the Gentiles never had a background. When I hear Christians today that are trying to affix themselves to Israel's background, they're out of order. They're out of order. The Gentiles have no godly background. The only father we got is Adam, and he's not very spiritual.
We have no background. We have no history. Grace has no history. Law has all the history. All the history in the Bible belongs to the law. All the history and prophecy, all prophecy belongs to Israel and the kingdom. No prophecy for the Gentiles. Nearest thing we have to a prophecy is Paul's teaching on the rapture. And that's not really a bona fide prophecy. No prophecies in the scriptures apply to Gentiles. We have no history. We have no prophecies. Somebody says, what are you going to do about the book of Revelation? Leave it to Israel. From the first word to the last word, it has to do with Israel. The seven churches, though we attribute the problems in those churches to churches today, none of those churches relate to Gentile churches. They are all Israel churches because the content in them is all historical Israel. does not belong to Gentiles. We have no history in the scriptures. So when Paul says in Acts 28, 28 that the gospel now goes to the Gentiles, what kind of a gospel is it going to be? Is he going to get up and talk about Noah? Paul can't do that. He can't talk about Elijah and Elisha. They're not in our history. That's why these are not in the epistles. He won't even talk about Jesus of Nazareth in the flesh. Why? We have no history. We're a new group of people in God's plan. Not just new because we're Gentile, but we're new because we're rebirthed. We're birthed by that God to be His children. The Gospel. Romans chapter 2. Let's mark it. Mark these verses, if you will, please. Romans chapter 2, verse 16. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men by Jesus Christ according to my gospel. That's the Bema. You've marked that. Make sure it's marked in your Bible. Look at 1 Corinthians 4 and 15. 1 Corinthians 4 and 15. He says, I have begotten you through the gospel. Have you marked that? We talked about that. I birthed you through this gospel. You got that established now. It's his gospel. His gospel. Go to Galatians chapter 2.
verse 7. Make sure this is marked in your Bible. Galatians 2 and 7. Counterwise, when they saw the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me as the gospel of circumcision was unto Peter. I'm going to stop right there so that you get that clearly. There are two gospels, and Paul's gospel was the gospel of uncircumcision. He did not preach what had been preached in the early church. The early church was an Israelitish church, a Judaistic church. He did not preach that. He said Peter is a part of that church. He preaches circumcision. What was circumcision? You had to do something to be godly. In fact, grown men, once they came into that church, had to have a radical operation in order to be a member of that church. Physical operation. Paul said, that's the gospel Peter preaches. I preach a gospel that you do not have to have an operation to be in. You don't have to be circumcised to be in this gospel. The gospel of circumcision has a tremendous history. You go into uh, your concordance and you'll find the word circumcision sprinkled all the way through the Old Testament. That was the gospel that was still preached after the day of Pentecost. Peter didn't preach liberty. He didn't preach freedom. He didn't preach that Calvary has delivered and set you free. Paul specifically says, Peter was called of God to preach circumcision. Now that's an important line there because I'm not saying that the people who preach what they preach are not called by God. I'm not saying that God won't use what they did. I look back on my life and I didn't know a single thing about what I call now the true gospel, and I see how God blessed. My, how he blessed. I was a Pentecostal preacher without peer for a period of time. There wasn't anybody in America that had more people baptized in the Holy Spirit in their meetings than I did for a period of time. I had over 50,000 in a five-year period that I personally laid hands on, not bragging. God used that. He blessed that. But that was not the truth. So we've come a long way without truth, have we not? We've been fed an awful lot of food that was unhealthy. So Paul, considerate, loving, kind to his brother who was born again, said, you go ahead and preach that. That's what God called you to do. But as for me, I'm going to preach uncircumcision. Now, what is obvious about this? Nobody else had the gospel of uncircumcision. Everybody was in the kingdom message. Everybody was following the big crowds. Everybody was seeing the signs, wonders, and miracles. And here stood Paul saying, I'm called of God to preach Christ in you, the hope of glory.
Colossians chapter 1. Beginning at verse 25, this is the jewel of the crown, whereof I made a minister according to the dispensation of, dispensation of God which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. I've got to stop there. You want to know why I am so obsequious, so direct, so bold, so whatever I am. Do you see that last line? This Bible you hold in your hand is not complete without Paul's message. Oh, you didn't read that? You hear what he says? I have been called by God to fulfill, finish, complete the Word of God. A dispensation of God which is given to me for you to fulfill the Word of God. Do you see it? God didn't give the gospel of grace to the church, to the world. He gave it to Paul. A dispensation was given unto him. The dispensation of grace was given to him. Notice it. Given me for you. Mark it. Me for you. It's given to me for you. Not given to anybody else. It's given for me to you. Read it personally. He's given it from me to you, he says. God's given it. From me to you. When I hear people make light of Paul's epistles, and plenty do. When I hear people say Paul has no faith. When I hear people say Paul tears up their church program. They don't have the full word of God because Paul alone was given the gospel of grace to fulfill the word. You know anybody else that says that in the book? Is there anybody else in the Bible that says that? Take out David's Psalms. They're not necessary. Rip out Deuteronomy. It's not necessary. Take out Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It isn't necessary. Take out Dr. Luke's book of Acts. It isn't necessary. Oh, it's there. It's a part of it. But none of them fulfills the Word of God. See, I make a bold statement. I want you to see the importance of this gospel. This is what finishes and completes the Word of God. 
We've lived a lifetime without that understanding and teaching. We've only gone to Paul to try to prove points and get scripture verses and so forth. We co-mingled. Verse 26, even the mystery, we're going to get into that a little later, which hath been hid from ages and from generations. What is that verse saying? This thing that fulfills the word of God goes back before the foundation of the world. Even ages and generations, this thing has been hidden. Who hid it? God hid it. Hid it. God hid it. If somebody come along and wanted to see it and it wasn't God's time, they wouldn't do anything with it. Back in the 1500s, a Catholic man by the name of uh, Joseph Burma saw this in Christ message. He could hardly write. He was German, a, a cobbler, shoe cobbler. But oh, what an experience he had with God. Another man about a hundred or so years later named, uh, uh, what was his name? William Law took his writings and put them in notable English so he could understand them. It was glorious. Oh, it was wonderful. But that was old English that William Law wrote by. Another man came along by Andrew Murray and took William Law's writings and put them in readable English. So we had Jacob Burma's first real relationship with God. Just one man. But oh, the mystery was not made clear. Didn't get clear in the 1500s, didn't get clear in the 1700s by William Law, and it didn't get clear in the early 1900s by Andrew Murray. But you know what's happening today? The mystery is coming clear. The mystery is coming clear. It's now made manifest to his saints. Praise God, that's those folks there in South Africa. But now it's made manifest to his saints to whom he will make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among who? Gentiles. What is it? A new gospel. Our uncircumcision gospel. Not the same old gospel. Not the same old idea. It is the uncircumcision gospel. Now it's made known to the Gentiles. What is this mystery? Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's a mystery. Remember, it didn't say Christ is the hope of glory. It didn't say Christ is our hope. That's the kingdom message. It says Christ in you is our hope of glory. All right, you want to continue this trail? Let's go on. First Thessalonians. First Thessalonians chapter 2. We don't really have time for this, but let me read it. 
Maybe I'll come back to it. That's good. We'll come back to it. Let's read it. And then we'll come back next and go through it properly. Beginning at verse 1. For yourselves, brethren, know our interest in unto you that it is not in vain. But even after that we had suffered before and were shamelessly entreated, as you know, at Philippi, we were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. Now, if you have friends here that don't like what I say, direct them to that second verse. I'm not the first. Let me say something. First Thessalonians is the first thing Paul wrote. First Thessalonians was probably written in the year 52. This is the first thing he wrote, and he's probably just fresh out of the Arabian desert. I don't know that for sure. We don't have a, a time element there. But he's just out of the Arabian desert. What happened in the Arabian desert? God revealed Jesus in him. God revealed his son in him. And so he has boldly gone out and began to talk it. And he's gotten in trouble. See what it says? We were bold in our God to speak unto you the gospel of God with much contention. But he says our exhortation was not of deceit, nor of uncleanliness, nor in guile. But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel. Even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God which trieth our hearts. You need to mark that verse 4, because God has trusted him with the gospel. He didn't trust anybody else. He trusted Paul. He's trusted Paul with the gospel. Verse 5, For neither at any time use we flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness, God is witness. I think that speaks for itself. Nor of men sought we glory, neither of you, nor yet of others, when we might have been burdensome as the apostles of Christ. What is an apostle? Somebody that brings a gospel to a new people. That's what he's doing. Verse 7, But we were gentle among you, even as a nurse cherisheth her children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were willing to have imparted unto you not the gospel of God only, but also our own souls, because you were dear unto us. For you remember, brethren, our labor and travail for laboring night and day because we would not be chargeable unto any of you, we preached unto you the gospel of God. If I had any important words to give you here, that is them. This is what we want to do. We want to bring a gospel to you that liberates and sets you free. The book is clear. 
as to what that gospel is. Now, what shall we do with it? How shall we handle it? How shall we treat this Jesus that sent us? I pray that these words would be anchored in you. You can find similar verses in 1 Timothy 1 and Titus 1 where he still writes the same thing about his gospel. I still want to talk to you more about preaching the gospel and we'll get to that in our next session. Would you believe it's time to eat again? (laughs) So let's close the book for now and we'll eat supper and be back here. Amen. Another great session on Jesus and Paul presented by Warren Litzman and the Christ Life Fellowship. Thank you for being with us today and every week. We really appreciate it and hope that these podcasts are really making a big difference in your life. Tell others all about it, your family and friends. Let's grow this audience even more and more around the world. Again, visit our website, christ-life.org. We'd like to thank Robbie Litzman for allowing us to go into the archives each week. Valerie Hill does our Twitter account. Tammy Laycott does the weekly podcast notes. And this program is produced weekly by the wonderful Teresa Ferraro from the Christ Life Fellowship. Until next time, I'm Brad Wilson, loving the Christ life.